This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome everybody back to the Pittsburgh Oddcast. My name is Andrew Lindbergh. I'm the producer of the program. And with me as always is the founder of Odd Pittsburgh, John Chalkowski. Well, hello. So this week we have a very special guest in the studio, Mr. Jeremy Raymer. Uh, who I consider, and I'm being sincere, uh, one of the foremost artists to, to be alive in Pittsburgh to this day. Thank you. <laughs> and Thanks uh, for having me. I uh, will talk back about how we kind of first originally met, you know, um, and that is through Facebook. Yep. Uh, so, and um, I think actually you reached out to me originally in, I guess it would be 2015. Yeah, um, I look back at our old messages and, and you were like, hey, you know, I like your your stuff, but, you know, is there any kind of cool, like, unique art or something that, uh, you know, you, like, you're, I think, I, you're, I can't remember what you're exactly were searching for, but you're, I was like, well, you know what, I got a lot of cool photos I've just been having laying around. Mm-hmm. I think you were doing the uh, Deutschtown um, Music Festival, like a live yeah, painting or I, something. Yeah, I do and we're recall doing some idea. for that year. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, well, you know. If you're really looking for some cool, <laughs> interesting, <laughs> weird photos, I got I got some. So I started feeding them kind of to you, and then like overnight, all of a sudden, you know, you start seeing these pop up around Pittsburgh mm-hmm. on like abandoned buildings or buildings that were you know just you know just been kind of forgotten the time, and, and now you somehow were able to share this unique history without words. Um, using just an image of someone's face, like a young Carnegie, mm-hmm. and how that could um, inspire people to even think about who this person is. You know, who is this person? That is this Carnegie? Like, what what's the story behind this? And and, and how it evolved from just kind of going around. And, uh, and I, I don't know if you necessarily were getting permission to do those early. Not places. every single one. Well, hey, <laughs> I, I've investigated so many abandoned properties, and like I've never let anybody stop me. So, yeah, yeah. You know, don't get a better ask for forgiveness than permission. That's right. Well, you know, if yeah. you're there and you're virtuous, you know about what you're doing. You're not destroying anything. In mm-hmm. fact, you're creating something. Yeah. Uh, and adding to the value of the place, I, I've always found fascinating. My first question to you is going to be. Um, why, why do it? Because I, I I saw I looked up your background a little bit and I saw mm-hmm. that you have like what a bioengineering degree. Um yeah, I went to University of Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, I went originally for biomechanical engineering and then I, I went again for electrical engineering. So, you know, my original plan was career engineer. You right. know, I, I wanted to be a famous inventor. Actually, I, I always nice. loved to like invent things and try to make things up when I was little. And art had always been in the background really for me. Um, I got to take a few. Uh, non-technical elective classes at mm-hmm. University of Pittsburgh. And for whatever reason, I was drawn to studio arts classes. Hmm. Um, and then, you know, when I started my professional career, as kind of like my outlet to decompress after work, I, I would paint. Right. And um, it, it just basically evolved from like 2005 to um, 2016 is when I made the transition. And it just kind of kept getting um, more and more of my time, my resources, my energy, and my passion. And um, yeah, just kind of opportunities arose and I was in Pittsburgh at the right time in the right place and it was a good market and there's demand for it. So 
Um, it was kind of random happenstance. <clears throat> that was never the plan. Right. Yeah. Never. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that. Well, I mean that's how things work. I mean, I went to school for music, mm-hmm. <laughs> then I went to school <laughs> for film. Uh, neither of these things have to do with yeah. history. So mm-hmm. I, I see, I see what you mean. <laughs> and uh, sometimes it just hits you. Yeah, it does. You yeah. know, and, and um, it you, you're not expecting it, you know, to happen, but it, it happens. Mm-hmm. And what you do with it is what's important. And um, and, and how you're able to channel that creativity, uh, whether it's through mechanical engineering, you know, being creative in that aspect yeah. to the point of doing art um, really speaks volumes about the creative mind in mm-hmm. general, more so than anything else. Um, take me back to like the first idea of putting something on a building somewhere in Pittsburgh where you know someone's going to see it. It was the goal for someone to see it, number one. And number two, or were you just doing it because you wanted to do it? Um, no, it was, it was more so I kind of felt like <clears throat> from 2005 to 13, like I had done small scale oil portraits and I had done historical figures quite a bit then too, mm-hmm. um, especially drawn to scientists and engineers, um, especially people, you know, who really wouldn't be well known in modern or pop culture and they had major contribu- contributions to society. And it was, I, I felt like these large scale pieces would help promote my name and get me out there more. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I just, I had saw some pieces myself and just the sheer size of them, it like blew me away. And I'm like, there's so much power in the size. Yeah. And I really wanted to be able to scale up. And that's really kind of what happened. And it and also was tied in with, you know, a new tool I'd use. I'd never used spray paint before. Right. And I really like in like my pieces to huge drawings basically. So it was kind of a combination of, you know, wanting to get my name out there more and have a public forum and also be able to share the artwork too and not have it to be like, you know, the typical museum pieces where mm. you have to go to see them and, you know, on a public route, you know, people can get out there and anyone can see it. It's there for everyone to see. Right, yeah. right. Do you think, did you ever want to venture into that, um, you know, private showings of your art? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, for me, it's it's whatever forum um, is out there. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, I was represented by a small gallery in, in uh, Shadyside. That was one of my goals for a long time to get that. Mm-hmm. And I, when I first came back to Pittsburgh in 2013, no one would show any of my small stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, Most Wanted Fine Art, a gallery up on Penn Ave. They had a group show each January. That was the first time I ever showed anything in Pittsburgh. It was a, an Edgar Casey painting, oh, wow. I remember. Yeah. Um, and then the next year I did the group show again, and that was the first commission I ever sold in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, I had done small-scale stuff. I did a small show at Espresso Mono, and then I kind of transitioned over. But, you know, eventually I would love to do a museum show as well. But, oh, yeah. Um, you know, I, the, the murals are my mainstay. That's my favorite thing to do. Oh, I mean, it's out. incredible. I mean, yeah. I can remember even growing up, like, I live in North Hills, and there was this mural, these elephants on the side of a BP gas station. Oh, I, I knew the one, actually, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and, and it, like, it was there, I guess, since the mid early mm-hmm. 90s, maybe, is when it first started. Mm-hmm. And then, unfortunately, it's gone. Yeah. Uh, but that was such, like, a... No one knew what it was or why it was on this BP gas station, yeah. but it was there, you mm-hmm. know, and it made you think. And, and uh, made I can you, envision uh, it right now. Actually, it was, uh, you know, kind of almost surrealist. It almost reminded yeah. me of the Dolly um, Swans piece, almost a little bit. But yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I can envision it still right now. You know, you have that connection with it, and um, I definitely feel like I'm a, a visual thinker and learner. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe that's why, you know, I kind of tend to gravitate to create imagery, you know. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, it's fascinating that you would say that. Yeah. The um, what is it about um, 
you know, art in public. So, like, what, you know, I want to differentiate from going to a museum or a gallery, you mm-hmm. know, to see or, you know, on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, but, you know, just driving down Bigelow Boulevard. And uh, I'll give you a prime example. In fact, Bigelow Boulevard is a perfect example. You got that, well, it's sculpture, but it's art, right? You got this strange looking ro- yellow rods, you know? <laughs> and you're, and it almost months... reminds me of French fries up there. I love yeah, that. Yeah, that, uh, Frank, I love it Frank too. Franco Park, yep. Yeah, and, and, and it's, um, you know, it makes you, you think and appreciate art in a different way, I think, than, uh, uh, and this goes with, with what you do um, as well, as in, Seeing something for not necessarily what it is, like as a uh, as an art piece, but art in the public, mm-hmm. you know, as a, it's like a art for all of us, yeah, and, and for everybody to enjoy, and not just kind of the, the select, exactly, you know, gallery people, mm-hmm. and nothing, no, no offense to the gallery people because it's great, you know, but um, what, what really drove you to the to doing it in public? Um, you know, I think it was really more a matter of that. You know, typically murals of the scale that I like to do are exterior surfaces. Right. You know, primarily that that aspect. Mm-hmm. But also that, like, you know, I like to have pieces and places that people randomly do come upon them. And, you know, it, it provides this opportunity to kind of add some aesthetic beauty to an area you might mm-hmm. not typically expect it. Or, like, one of the areas that I've been able to paint on a warehouse down in Lawrenceville I've covered the alley and like it draws people in an alley like mm. normally people wouldn't go down that alley or they see one piece and they're like oh man like there's more and they keep walking and kind of it's like a little bit of an adventure for them you know? right no yeah I mean I mean that's what I, I think is uh draws me to it at least you know the seeing the fact that um you know it's so accessible mm-hmm. uh to the public and it really does kind of change your uh viewpoint on what is art you know is yeah. it like traditionally at least our parents age or older wouldn't necessarily call graffiti no and, and, and no no what you do is not graffiti per se you know but yeah. that idea you know of 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 a uh, kind of viral art um i'm sure sat really cool with like the good you know hip crowd but for the majority of people they wouldn't necessarily wouldn't see the art in it and i think what you are doing and have done is um kind of bringing that awareness to a different generation to yeah. realize that, you know, someone spray painting on a building is not necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, content wise, you know, I don't really behold myself to one area. And I like to say that I do lowbrow and highbrow right. um, and somewhat in the realm of fine street art, you know, for mm-hmm. lack of a better term. But, you know, at least in my interactions on the street, it's very interesting to me. Like you think, you know, especially now, typical demographic, maybe 20 to 40 or so, but, mm-hmm. you know, from six years old, the 96 people really appreciate what I do yeah and they're always surprised that I do with spray paint that's like one of the number one comments people are like I don't believe you could do this oh, with yeah. spray paint. when I was talking to Andy uh before we recorded I'm like I was like yeah he uses like spray paint you know mm-hmm. and he's like what spray paint I mean like uh, so how do you I mean from a, a like a logistic standpoint how much spray paint would it take to paint necessarily let's talk about you know your most I guess visibly recognizable mural the roberto clemeni mm-hmm. uh right off the north side right there um how long does something like that take you how do you begin number one okay let's just start from scratch sure how do you begin uh other than the fact that the guy wanted you to do it but how did you begin from day one like printing out a picture of roberto like how do you start and then gathering materials like how do you um, blend it i mean like it's just 
fascinates me. <laughs> pretty simple pro process yeah. typically, but um, it all starts pretty much in Photoshop. You know, I'll mm -hmm. get reference photos of the building, and depending on the project, sometimes I go from zero design input to 100%. And the Clemente on the north side actually was very lucky that I had a project lined up on the south side. They wanted something Pittsburgh-themed, and I had pitched a Clemente concept, a different image for that. Mm -hmm. Then that fell through. And, like, I kind of got, you know, I get an idea in my mind. I'm like, I was all gung-ho to paint this. I'm like, where can I paint Clemente at? You know, hometown mm -hmm. hero. It needs to be somewhere highly visible. Mm -hmm. And the year before that it um, became created, a friend of mine had said that um, the owner of Verdettos would post possibly be open to uh, having a mural on his building. So, basically, I, I ran out there. I took a quick shot of the side of his building, went Photoshop, threw that exact um, Clemente image as you see on there now texted to my friend within five minutes the owner called me he's like how do we do this wow um, so in terms of the design phase for that it was super easy and then from there basically <clears throat> um, depending on the parameters of the wall and the project if I can I, I will get um, I have a high power projector that I'll basically use to um, especially for portraits it helps speed up the process I'll oh, yeah. throw some ghost lines down Outlines of the eyes were a few like highlights, um, highlights on the pupils, definitely the positions of the nostrils and the lips. But like for the most part, when I show a picture of that to anyone else, they're like, what the heck is that? It's just a jumbled mess of uh, lines. Mm -hmm. So, you know, transferring the design over would be next. And then, you know, for that one, um, got a aerial lift in there and then went to work and basically maybe 30, 40 hours of painting. It's pretty quick by the time I actually start wow. the painting process. Yeah. And, um, you know, I try to be quick and I always push myself. And I've done a lot of live paintings too. So, like, sometimes I only have an hour or 45 minutes or maybe three hours to do a piece, piece from start to finish completely in front of a crowd. So mm. I'm definitely in the mindset typically, like, I like to go fast. Right, right. And um, a lot of times people think, like, smaller pieces – would be cheaper or quicker, and it's actually more difficult once you get below a certain threshold. I'd much rather do a 10,000-square-foot wall than a 500-square-foot wall. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Does it get—is uh, there pressure whenever people are watching? No, not at all. I, I don't mind a crowd at all. I, I've done over 100 live paintings. Like, I like for people to watch me, and a lot of times people are hesitant to come up and say hi. A lot of times I have headphones on. I always like to listen to music, but— you know, I get to do what I do because there's fans out there. So anyone right. out there, you ever see me out there, come up and say hi, chit-chat with me. I do it all the time. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's such a fascinating um, concept and idea. I mean, and I really, truly appreciate, you know, like the the time you take to research behind all these different images and not just doing things willy-nilly, you know, yeah. per se. Yeah, And that it's thought out. Um which I find more unique in the aspect of uh, the public art world, you know, or, or um, we, we, what you traditionally see with spray paint. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, even though I'm sure people do think those things out, it's just more or less that you have a end goal in mind, mm -hmm. and uh, that's that's unique. Your Magneto, Lawrenceville. Yep. Unbelievable. And it's only it's spray paint. I'll spray yeah. paint. Uh, I spray paint things, but I just do it to cover stuff. <laughs> yeah. Is it a pen to you? Um, you know, for the most part, like a lot of times people are surprised and are like, you know, how, how do you do such large scale pieces? And it was a slow progression. Like I basically ramped up, um, you know, when I originally started doing small scale pieces on canvas, you know, 30 by 40 inches at one point, I was like, oh, this is kind of big. And then I went to 36 by 48 and then I did a four foot by five foot piece. And I was like, this is huge. And then when I got the spray paint, I tried doing some small stuff and I'm like, it's really difficult. You know, if you look at the baseline width, 
you know, if you're really good, maybe you can get it down to a quarter inches um, with an ultra fine, like skinny cap. But I, I didn't even know how to use the caps properly when I first started. I watched a few YouTube videos and there's no one in town to be like, this is how you spray paint, you know? Right, right. Um, so after a little bit of trial and error, I was like, well, if I scale things up a little bit, it kind of makes more sense. And, um, you know, over the first two, two and a half years, learning how to move my hands and body and like to kind of do overcuts and undercuts and be able to create the effects and the layers and the depth that I want to do. Um, but it's just like second nature for me now, you know, it's, I kind of feel like, you know, when I have that can of paint in my hand, it's like, I feel like Superman when I have it there. Like I have a superpower. It's unbelievable because in a previous episode, we talked to Lee Trebosik, the magician, and it's basically the same kind of thing. Yeah. How it's yeah. second nature to you, mm. but for everybody else, the layman, it's, I'm amazed. Well, I'm amazed by yeah. Lee's magic and I'm amazed by your artwork. Mm. Well, that's, that's what you soon find out is that anything to do with like the arts, you know, when you say the art of entertainment or magic or actual art or music or acting even, and, um, the kind of inspiration that goes behind it. And if you think about it, you know, you think about doing, you know, like I write classical music. Okay. Mm -hmm. I've written a piano concerto, a violin concerto. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's very good. It's very good. But the, um, you know, how you, 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 it comes to second nature. You know, Mm -hmm. I can write you a song right now, you know, like it's whatever. And it could take someone a year to do it. So it's just a lot of natural talent. I think, um, when it comes to what you do, especially and, and how, I mean, really, it's not what you're necessarily trained to be doing. And you've trained and honed those skills like kind of yourself. Yeah, you know. know? It's not a college class for that. No, (laughs) you know, definitely there is some baseline level of talent. But a lot of times, like, um, people don't realize, like, at this point, I've I've estimated that I've spent 25,000 hours painting portraits and artwork and stuff. Wow. And, um, you know, it's definitely an acquired skill. Mm -hmm. Um, And I push myself to be better every time I get out there. Mm -hmm. So it's not like... I know what I can do now. I always continue to try to push myself with every single project. Mm. And if, you know, if you looked at some of my very earliest pieces, you'd be like, there's no way that he could do what he does now compared to those. Yeah, what's it like as a someone who's going to school for engineering, you know, mm-hmm. and, and uh, obviously intelligent things that I can't do? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's it like just to say, enough of that. I'm going to do art now. From now on, number one, that's my only thing I'm going to do. I'm going to be an artist. And quit my job. <laughs> it was a really surreal change because, I mean, like, you know, I was a senior test engineer at Westinghouse at my last position. Wow. So I was a safety system test lead. Um, I was in charge of the QISN system, um, qualified indication alarm system, which was basically the very end of the line for the APR 1400 nuclear power reactor plant we were Jeez. building out in UAE. Sounds important. And, um, <laughs> yeah, important? so basically yeah. if any of the other primary safety systems, all of them failed, actually. My system would monitor, like, 21,000 signals from all over the plant. It would read temperatures, pressures, and basically it would put the plant in a safe state to prevent, like, a Fukushima-type meltdown. Uh, meltdown. Right, right. Wow. Very bad things, people dying. Right. Um, yeah. So, you know, to kind of go from, like, this super regimented-type scenario, you know, very structured, everything done to a standard, a thousand signatures, emails every single day, meetings, all these design documents I had to hear to kind of go to a completely different realm where, you know, uh, number one, I'm my own boss. I kind of get to dictate what my own schedule is now. And like, you know, a lot of the things I do now are like 
open-ended mm-hmm. and it's not like there's any like real rhyme or reason or set rules to, to what I do now. Mm. Well, um, if you screw up, nobody dies. No. And I don't mean to belittle your craft now <laughs> no, because that's no. very impressive, but basically you have to follow the rules because if you don't, you can't yeah. be like, you yeah. know yeah. what? I want to do this today. Maybe part of the reason too that I transi- transitioned over to doing artwork because I, there was always a c- creative component and a lot of the positions that I've had, mm. but I always wanted something more in that where it was like, you know, maybe I was designing something or I was taking design inputs from a group of people and I would create a physical object. Mm. And I felt like a lot of the position I had taken, I thought in my mind that there was going to be that there. And actually at the end of the day, wasn't there. Mm. And part of it too was that, you know, I kind of kept thinking, oh, if I, I get a better paying position, more money, I'll be happier. And, you know, I got to the point where I had the best position I ever had. I was like 18 months away from becoming a principal engineer there and would have, you know, kind of got a golden ticket. Right. And it just, the money and, and none of that really mattered anymore. There was a drive inside me to want to be able to create artwork and share it with, you know, everyone basically. Well, that's an artist, man. That's yeah. the definition. You know, yeah. it really is. I mean, um, that takes guts, you know, and you got guts and uh, that shows, you know, like how you can just. Yeah. I mean, you know, spending almost eight years in schooling, working for <laughs> right. 12 years. Yeah. Moving to San Francisco for a position, never think I'm going to come back to Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. get a job back here. And then, you know, after a period of time, it was just like, you know, thinking about now, it just kind of seems like, oh, that's just what happened. But, right, you right. know, I never really planned any any of it exactly. Now, growing up, like, where did you grow up? Um, I grew up in Glassport, um, just like 12 miles outside of downtown Pittsburgh. Okay. And I also grew up in Elizabeth Ford as well. Okay. Yeah. So, like, what inspired you as a kid? You know, like, like I... Like this BP mural, you know, I always mm-hmm. remember from being just driving, my mom driving past all the time. Yeah. And, and But like, is there anything that stuck out or kind of like said like, hey, you know what? I'd like to maybe do something like that someday. Um, You know, I, I definitely was always interested in art. Um, I feel like it was third grade, maybe. I think one of the only times I ever won any sort of competition. Mm-hmm. There was a, a Simpsons um, coloring competition. Nice. I won an ice cream sandwich at the nice, school cafeteria. Nice. Um, I was always sketching stuff, always like to play around with stuff. And, you know, even going a few years later, um, into high school, um, for whatever reason, like the Simpsons always came up and, and not that like, I do that occasionally now, mm-hmm. but my, oh, um, your recent, your recent, oh, yeah, uh, things, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, my high Who's school, your favorite teacher, Simpsons character, uh, Homer without a doubt. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. I kind of liken myself to Homer actually. He had a million <laughs> jobs. So, um, you know, some of the other things I was exposed to uh, as a child as well, um, my parents were um, antique collectors. Hmm. My dad restored um, antiques, and um, we grew up. Uh, I want to say it was late 1700s farmhouse. My dad wow. completely gutted and completely restored. So um, there's definitely a creative component. I would see um, my mom would do interior design and decorating, and she would do like um, stenciling in all these places um, and friends' places, and, and where we lived as well. And um, I don't know. I've, for whatever reason, I've always been drawn to faces, mm-hmm. eyes especially. So that's primarily why I do portraits. Just kind of, you know, no particular exact reason. It's just kind of what I've done and what I like to do now still. Coming from another perspective, I love art and I love to, I would love to create it, but I, I can't. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't. Hand is the hardest thing to draw for me. And then the whole scaling. When I was a kid, I would draw like a giant head and then have little room for like, you know, the the, 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 the yeah, arms right. and legs. 
Did you ever have that kind of issue or were you always just kind of adept? I was always a pretty good sketcher. So like typically, no, not really. And I definitely, you know, I do span the gamut in terms of level of realism and content and stuff like that. But I like my stuff to look accurate to what it is, especially for the portraits. Like hmm. things need to be in the right places. The shading needs to be proper for it to look real and have the real feel and the emotion that I want to convey to the people who look at it. That's just something that just blows my mind because I don't have that talent. I, I can shade, but I can't scale and I can't do the, the faces the way that I've seen, mm. you know, and then you blow it up to a large scale, which you say is easier for you yeah, now. Yeah, at this point now, definitely, without a doubt, it's easier for me. I, you know, the, the bigger, the better. I, I want to do a 100,000 square foot mural at some point. Wow. <laughs> Why don't we blow a couple of trees out of Mount Washington and see if you could yeah. just do like a, just two that Washington. way they won't argue about that billboard yeah, anymore. Yeah. So what advice, like my my nine-year-old okay, okay. is um, is a legitimately good artist. Mm -hmm. I can say that from an objective standpoint, okay? okay? Um, and has even created his own comic books and gone in depth, you know, into like a story platform and, and try, like, what would you say, knowing what you know now, to a kid who has that kind of brink of talent but is just on the verge of doing something with it? You know, or, or because I, I know when I was in high school, like, I, I, my game plan was set from like when I was five years old, I knew I wanted to be a classical musician. Mm -hmm. That's what my life goal was. Mm -hmm. You know, you get through high school and then I was like, nope, I want to become Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, go to Hollywood. And I did. So, um, and, and I know it's a lot of hard work, you know. Yeah, it definitely. And, and is is that really what it comes down to? Like if you want it, you just got to do it. I really feel like it. that work ethic is the number one thing. A lot of yeah. times people ask me like, oh, isn't it hard to be motivated? I'm like, no, it's actually the exact opposite. It's hard to tell myself to take a break sometimes. Right, right. Um, and yeah, without a doubt, diligence, perseverance, you know, even not that long ago, I would approach maybe a business in Shadyside. I wanted to get, I have no pieces in Shadyside. Mm -hmm. I want to put a piece up, um, Pizza Parma actually. I went up to them and I offered him a free mural. He turned me down. Wow. Um, so. <laughs> no offense to them, but why would they do that? I don't. You tell me. I mean, not that it happens frequently at all at this point. Um, but, you know, even when I first started out, people were like, how do you become a muralist? I'm just like, if you want something bad enough, you're going to make it happen. Yeah, that's right, man. Yeah. Um, you have to keep trying no matter how many times mm -hmm. um, someone turns you down or if someone says your artwork isn't that good. You just got to have faith in yourself and, and keep putting stuff out there. Well, that just makes me think. Maybe the owners of these establishments are thinking they're going to get something like MOOC or some kind of graffiti, yeah. which, I mean, could you talk about MOOC a little bit? Do you know anything about it? I him? mean, I'm familiar with them. I'm sl definitely slightly familiar with a lot of, like, the writers and taggers in town. I'm a huge fa fan of Soviet. I think he's one of the baddest there is. Um, I'd love to work with him. I've reached out to him before, but I'm not in his crew, so he doesn't really like to go out oh, of that. Um, but, you know, for the most part, a lot of them, I, I do find artistic value and aesthetic value in them, actually. Even the simple throwies, you know, for, mm -hmm. for a lot of it, I, I like that stuff. So even if it's, like, technically graffiti, you still... Yeah, I mean, there, you know, there's always certain scenarios where I'm like, ah, uh, you know, maybe not such a huge fan of that. And depending on the situation and where the place is, you know, there's some that would be like, yeah, I'm, I'm not a super huge fan of that. But for the most part, nah, that doesn't really... Um, I don't look at graffiti as anything different than what I do, to be honest. The Smithfield Street Bridge was mm -hmm. where I would first saw the geese. And mm -hmm. we talked to 
the gentleman that did that, and mm-hmm. I think that was actually commissioned. The reinterpretation of it? Yes. Yeah, there was um, like a little bit of uh, community out push for that to, to put him back in place just because it was like an iconic piece in the city right, of Pittsburgh. Yeah. And I love that they actually ended up giving permission. I, I really didn't think that was going to happen, actually. But the difference between, I mean, basically just writing your name, mm-hmm. which is one thing and it's still an expression, but then how the community can come together for the geese and you look at it and you're right. like, is that a dinosaur? Is that a geese? Yeah. Is that, yeah. you know, a goose? You know, the community can actually see the art in something that uh, maybe formerly would be considered graffiti, you mm-hmm. know. And um, I, I think that's what you're trying to say. And it, it's just, uh, it's interesting how I think Pittsburgh is unique in the, well, not maybe not unique. I mean, there might be other cities that do it. I mean, Keith, Keith Herring or something, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, you know, although he has a Pittsburgh connection. I don't know if you knew that. I did not know that. Yeah, but he uh, he went to school here in oh, Pittsburgh, okay. and uh, it's kind of where he first started experimenting mm. himself, mm. And until he became like a subway, you know, a street artist. Mm-hmm. Um, but the uh, the kind of like that, can, I, th- I think he really jumped off that kind of point too, uh, to where you know realizing that something in a subway is actually art. Yeah, you know, and, and not uh, you know just some kind of random writing on the wall <laughs> yeah just a little piece of vandalism just to destroy property for whatever reason yeah yeah well yeah there's obviously a difference between <clears throat> destroying property where you say like you know f this or whatever mm-hmm. but then right. there's also graffiti where you see how amazing that these people are with even if they're just like spelling out their name but the way that they do it with with spray paint is mm-hmm. oh yeah insane yeah 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 it's always it's always fascinated me and and, and I think what makes you more unique, uh, and for Pittsburgh per se, is, is that the, uh, you know, the fact that people do like it, you know, and they yeah. do appreciate it, and they. Yeah, I mean, the community outreach and response has been, I couldn't imagine it better than than what it is, and you know, you never know going out there what it's going to be and how people are going to accept it and you know appreciate it, and uh, it's just been incredible. It yeah, really in fact, has. I think we were in. Uh, you got well the best uh, was it best of the Berg or the um, city paper? A, a, a few accolades for there. Yeah. Um, Randy Land beats me out every year. Well, so you know, one year Randy I'm gonna take well, Randy. Yeah. Watch out. <laughs> um, right. Best Unless... public artwork. Last two years I got second place, and then the honorable mention maybe um, they threw best street artist out there. I had gotten that I think 2016. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think I was on the. I had the best. Uh, you had to like make a, your own category. Exactly. Same yep. thing for me. Mm-hmm. You know, because it was like you know what are you? You know, I'm yeah. not really anything. Randy had got it this last year um, for best public artwork. That's awarded by uh, Peduto. Mm. That's one a goal of mine. I'd like to be awarded um, that one. Oh yeah, yeah. And you know he does appreciate the mayor does appreciate you know public support for art. Yeah, definitely. And um, definitely, he's been on our show. He was a guest on our show, uh, graciously enough. At one time, there was no public art. You know, in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, a a lot of the possible reason you know that I did do what I do now Mm -hmm. is because. When I had visited, it was Wynwood Walls near Miami, um, and I saw everything was covered mm-hmm. with, like, just incredible murals, every color palette, content-wise, you could imagine. It was just, like, it was a completely different feel for yeah. uh, an industrial part of town. And then you come back to here, and it's just, like, I see canvases everywhere. Yeah. And, yeah, you wow. know, we definitely yeah. have some community-based murals. There was a Sprout Fund that um, created quite a few works mm-hmm. um, up until a year or two ago. Um but still, there was just, you know, not that many people doing it here. Just a handful of people, realistically, if that, even still now. And um, an opportunity to come in and kind of really change the landscape here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I remember whenever the baseball all-star game was here in 2006. 
and to cover up some of the abandoned buildings downtown that they put in basically just artwork Mm -hmm. on where the windows were. And that's basically an example of like, okay, you're using this for our national spotlight. Why not have this kind of thing permanently here? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, uh, like when we first connected, you know, and, and painting uh, just an unusual guy from Allegheny City with a, un, you know, unique looking hat, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> and like, uh, I, I can't remember what you did on a window. Um, I can't remember what kind of material you used. It was some kind of like white. Uh, it was just white house paint. Know. Basically, yeah. I kind of do these pieces that were like, yeah, basically it's kind of like a scratch board almost, but mm-hmm. on, on a window, basically, I'll put a light kind of sparse coat of acrylic paint. And then I, I have a. Uh, an Indian throwing knife my dad gave me when I was little. I use that's one of my what, main scratching the tools. I wow. scratch the design in, <laughs> yeah. and then like a typical like razor blade you would use to yeah. use a paint remover on windows for larger surface areas. Okay, mind blown. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But yeah, that's uh, I mean, so so like do you? Um, it just depends on what meat you know where you're gonna paint it and how you choose your. Think, or do you say like today I'm gonna do acrylics? You know. Um. No. For the most part, I mean, primarily it's the acrylic um, spray paint now. But you know, I definitely do like to do stuff on windows too mm-hmm. if the opportunity arises. Well, I've seen your other work too, like how you've painted on like fences and like on barn doors. Fences. Or, I like uh, to do some wheat paste stuff yeah, as well. Yeah. So I'll do posters and either hand embellish those before I put them up or throw up some paint over top of that. You know. And definitely it's a little bit back to an ode to my engineering days. Mm-hmm. I was a lab rat. I always like to do experiments and I like to try, try new stuff mm-hmm. and see how things go. And, you know, a lot of times I'll revisit something I've done before. Um, I do like to use stencils sometimes for smaller scale pieces. Mm-hmm. That definitely makes um, scaling down a possibility. And even just recently I had done a pair of um, Air Jordans for Chef uh, Dan at Fish North Fowl. Uh-huh. And I had to, like, find... A super sharp blade that I never used for my cutting device. Mm-hmm. And then I also had to find a, a new sort of uh, adhesive material that was ultra flexible, but I could also cut the most ornate design I had into it. So a little bit of the engineering background coming back in there too. And, you know, looking and trying to push the materials and do something right. on a smaller scale with a higher level of detail and fidelity than I had previously. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. When you say acrylic Spray paint is that like Krylon? Is that like the normal over the counter? Um, I don't. I've stuff? never used a, a can of Krylon for any of my pieces. Um, I is basically, it like specialty spray paint? Kinda? Yeah, basically, okay. it's it's geared um, for what I do for street artists. Um, Montana Gold, Montana Black, and MTN ninety four compromise ninety nine percent of everything I do. It's uh, engineered to be used in a wide temperature range. So I've gone out and I've sprayed in twenty eight degree weather before. Well, um, oh, okay. it, it does it does add a, a layer of difficulty. If it's ultra cold, it will sputter. If it's really hot, the paint um, dries on the cap a lot um, super quickly. But um, it's also geared towards um, sun resistance and, and weather resistance. It has a really high modulus of elasticity, so it's really um, it can expand and contract a lot for the mm-hmm. weather conditions we have here. And you know, everything that I've done so far, some of my oldest pieces are about five years. Typically, I don't seal them with any sort of uh, sealant. Occasionally, we do. That will add some life to it. But as a baseline, the spray paint itself, 7, 10 years basically outside from what I know. And you are an engineer. I'm not getting that from what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I would love someday maybe the – and my wife actually is in favor of it, believe it or not, but painting the outside of my own house in oh, North Hill. <laughs> I've, done, I've done a lot a of residences. People ask wall. me – if I'll paint on anything, basically. Yeah. If they can hold paint, I'll paint on it. There you go, man. I do want to thank you for coming on. Oh, and, I appreciate um, the opportunity. Yeah. You know, I, I want 
people, our listeners, to you know to, to realize how you can see the art and everything, you know, and, and how uh, a truly passionate person like yourself, um, and how you can not let anything stop you and not let anybody tell you no. And uh, you could see, if, if in fact we've seen now, you know, this underlying theme through people, you know, of artists. You know, it doesn't matter if you're actually painting art or yeah. if you're a musician or the mayor or anybody. Mm-hmm. You well, know, even from the beginning of our our city with that woman that was a rope maker. Yeah, you and everything know, that she it, went through, and now here we are. Yeah, my uh, I, I, you should uh, you know almost like that Nike saying, you know, just do it. Yeah, honestly, it's true. you know, um, that's that's literally it, and you know. Um, being critical of yourself and being yep. able to take criticism and, and push yourself is definitely part of it. But yeah, I mean, it's literally just putting time in and effort really, yep. um, hard work, I would say is, you know, my, my definitely number one thing that's had level of success in anything I've ever done, being mm-hmm. able to work harder than anyone else there. Right. What's your, what's your favorite piece? People always ask me that. <laughs> um, oh, I thought I was being y- unique. <laughs> um, no, no, no. Uh, uh, Magneto actually is probably oh, my favorite piece just yeah. because I do like to do pieces that are site specific. Mm. I mean, you're not getting a better spot for Magneto than a scrapyard. It's a little bit of a note to my dad too. Cause when I was little, I like to tear anything apart and anytime I could find a magnet anywhere, he would let me tear anything apart. And I always remember like it was, it was a little bit of that too. Wow. Cause I had looked at a few different concepts cause I was in talks with the owners of uh, the building there for like three years. And I look back through some designs. I'm like, Oh, thank God. You know, I didn't choose this one, mm-hmm. this one, or this one. And then Magneto just kind of came into my head and I, you know, we had that 110 foot long fence and I could just see his cape undulating there and just kind of came together. Wow. Well, if you give us permission, we'd, we'd like to uh, post some of these uh, oh, some please. photos you've done. And yeah. you've gracious enough in the past to, give us permission yeah i mean yeah. i love seeing out there that's what it's for you know i've been fortunate i've seen wedding photos engagement photos music videos pets whatever right, you know right. it's, it's so crazy how can to people see find you if they want if they want to find you whether that's the commission a piece or just to see yeah. your art and enjoy uh, it. the number one portal for everything uh, the, the main thing i put all my time into is instagram basically mm-hmm. you can find me at jeremy m raymer um from that spell um, raymer raymer is r-a-y M E R. Um, I have a secondary Instagram. It, it's kind of just there as a portal. Um, it's Raymer Art Tours, and there's a digital download, um, self-guided walking tour map oh, there. Right. So, and people have been asking that for a long time. Um, so basically, you can either start anywhere along the route, but um, it's kind of geared towards starting over on the north side around the Clemente, Deutschtown, Sasquatch, and then gravitating through the Strip District. And then through Lawrenceville, and you could see like about thirty-five of my works. We'll, oh, we'll wow. put a link on yeah, uh, yeah, kdkradio.com sure. yeah. whenever we post this. Yeah, I mean, you can reach out to me, um, shoot me a DM there, all my other contact info, email, Facebook. I mean, wherever the uh, requests come in from, I always answer everything. Basically, he sure does because I know I've bugged him in the past <laughs> many times. Well, there you go, man. Yeah, so I appreciate it, man, and um, best of luck. You Thank know, you. Uh, your passion does show, you know, and it's not doesn't go unnoticed. Appreciate and, uh, you know, thank you. So got, uh, got a lot of pieces um, lined up for next year. Basically, next year is almost already booked. Wow. Um, we'll see some really cool ones at the, the Highline Project. That's going to be nice. the one to uh, start off the year. That That's the terminal building right next to Station Square. Yeah, yeah. I'll be doing three large-scale pieces. Oh, and wow, great. Two of the canvases are uh, unique new canvases I haven't been able to work on. So wow. 
I'm definitely stoked for I'll that. I'll have to send you a new uh, a new viral Pittsburgh history uh, photo. <laughs> we won't tell anybody where we're going to put it yet, you know. But we need to figure out a way because 2020 is KDK Radio's 100th anniversary. That's right. We need to find somewhere to put something. Oh yeah, maybe we'll, uh, we'll talk to the higher ups yeah. uh, in KDK world. Yeah, for sure. Like, hey, yeah. can we paint a large scale thing here on Foster Plaza Building Five? <laughs> right, right. Well, we'll figure out something for sure. So we end uh, every episode. With uh, a saying. That's it for Pitt.